Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast on financial independence. I'd like to bring on guests who hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. My next guest is an engineer by trade who previously worked on hybrid technologies for auto manufacturers, including Chrysler, Ford, and VW, and he worked in the semiconductor industry. A common thread he became passionate about was mentorship. This led him to create a B2B SaaS business that helps organizations build a stronger community through mentorship. In this episode, we talk about how he generates leads, how much he charges his customers per month, and the next step entrepreneurs can take to become subject matter experts. Please welcome Ravi Gunlapali. Ravi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks for having me. Sure, good to have you here. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background? Hmm. So I have a very uh, interesting background. Um, I'm an engineer by education, you know, studied uh, shipbuilding, then offshore uh, you know, oil carriers, then uh, went on to do uh, you know work in automotive industry for I got my PhD there in fluid mechanics I designed hybrid cars I designed supply chains for uh, semiconductor companies from silicon to laptops and then worked on the 787 Dreamliner for Boeing designing wow. the supply chain so I have a diverse background from engineering to supply chain management and also published a book recently called The Art of Mentoring well, we're going to dive into mentoring here in a bit because that's what your SaaS model is based on. Really impressive background here. I have to ask, what hybrid cars were you working on? Yeah, so I when when the hybrid cars were first introduced back in late '90s, you know, the challenge was to fit in a battery under the hood. So I worked on the you know hybrid transmissions mm-hmm. because when you put a battery, you don't have a space to to have the same size pumps and same size clutches. So as a fresh PhD in fluid mechanics, I was asked to design smaller pumps and smaller clutches that would still give the same level of acceleration and same same efficiency in the cars, you know, than uh, you know, compared to what we had before. Uh, so I was working on multiple, you know, uh, hybrid transmissions, CVTs, uh, which are which stands for continuously variable transmissions. So and my work went into multiple hybrid cars. Uh, can you give us a manufacturer name? So I, I uh, for example, some of my work went into Daimler Chrysler, back then it was Daimler Chrysler, right. into General Motors, Ford, Volkswagen, all of these, you know, uh, I think Ford I mentioned, all of them used our technology to launch their hybrid vehicles. Well, great experience there. All right, uh, semiconductors, what companies did you work for? Yeah, I worked for a company called I2 Technologies. Okay. Uh, I2 was the pioneer in supply chain management and then you know, I joined another company called E2Open. It was an open electronic exchange company, um, sort of the early cloud enabler. In those days, it was called ASP, Application Service Providers, and then that became the fancy term cloud. So I was working for a sort of a pioneer in that in the space. So E2Open also did uh, what is called multi-tier supply chain, because when you look at supply chains of major companies like Boeing, you know, they, they have suppliers to seventh and eighth level, you know, who are providing the smallest of the components that eventually go into the big plane. So I2 and E2 open. Got it. Okay. And then let's move forward here to starting your business. And then I want to kind of talk about the transition between what you were doing before and what you uh, created today. So your current business is Mentor Cloud, 
Uh, listeners out there, you can go to mentorcloud.com. We're going to dive into this business and what it does for customers in a second. But when did you found this company? Yeah, so we just completed 10 years. Um, and um, it was almost seems like uh, you know universe wanted me to do this. You know, I was working at Boeing and um, I used to travel to speak about the importance of mentorship and importance of guiding, you know, guiding the next generation of youth. So I was in India and uh, I, I missed a near fatal uh, accident, which was an airline ac- airline incident. Uh, you know, our, our plane was asked to take off and it almost ran into the helicopter carrying the president of India at that time. So it was 1.2 seconds away from a total disaster. So luckily we all walked away from it. And um, I felt that there was, I, I did not finish my homework in this world. That is why I was sent back to the planet and said, hey, go finish that homework and you can come back <laughs> wherever we all go uh, at, the, at the end of our journey. So I was thinking about, you know, sure. what, what was it? And the idea of, of flow came about. You know, I, I did flow of fluids. I did flow of products. And I said, what about the flow of wisdom? And mentorship is the flow of wisdom. So that's how this journey started. Gotcha. Okay. So were you at Boeing before you started this company? Was that the gist before starting the SaaS business? That's what you were doing? Yeah. So I, I worked for a company called E2Open. So we, we, we provided the supply chain solution for Boeing. So I, I had I had a Boeing badge pretty much for, for five years, um, okay. both every single day, but I worked for E2Open at Boeing. Got it. Okay. And with Mentor Cloud, did you kind of bootstrap it at first or did you go all in like on day one? Yeah, no, it, it was a bootstrap company because this is my first one. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into, but I had the urge mm-hmm. to do something because I just survived, right? So I knew, I knew, I traveled around the world actually. I went to Singapore, I went to South Africa, I was in London just to see, okay, flow of wisdom. How is it happening in the world today? Um, you know, the, around in, around that time, I, I also was approached by a 16-year-old blind student in back in India who said, sir, can you mentor me? Because as a blind student, I cannot study science and math in India, you know, so I want to go to MIT. And I still remember asking him, do you even know what MIT is? Because here is a man who could not, you know, walk 10 feet uh, without others' help. How is he going to survive in MIT with cold, the weather, and so on? And that too, number one, yes, number one college in the world. So I was able to, you know, mentor him. He was he was very ambitious, very driven, very hardworking. And, um, you know, with my mentorship and, of course, his own hard work, uh, he got into MIT. He graduated from, from, from there, uh, from Sloan School, and he's an entrepreneur now. So he taught me the importance of this connection that can happen. But then I realized that those connections are not happening. So sometimes you have to be intentional about it. Why wait for luck to happen? He was lucky. You know, here in Silicon Valley, why would I go all the way to a small town in India? Right. Mm. So he was lucky. So I said, how can I manufacture luck? You know, how can I create serendipity, which is more intentional? And that's when I said people should be able to meet much more intentionally on a platform. You know, so I created this match.com for wisdom, if you will. Sure. And how many months or years did you bootstrap it while you were uh, at, did you say EC2 was the name of the firm? E2Open. So I left E2Open. E2Open. Uh, okay. I left E2Open. I was doing some consulting work. You know, I, I was actually you know, very interested in, you know, helping other people with, with their college admissions, college mm-hmm. essays, and uh, their first career planning and all of that. And that's when all of this happened. So for almost three years, I traveled uh, extensively because E2Open, uh, you know, uh, I I joined them before they went public. 
So I had a very good exit, um, you know, as part of the initial, you know, the, the pre-IPO team. So I sort of, you know, leveraged that success to travel. And um, I was in the news. HBR wrote about me because I, I coined the phrase supply chain of wisdom. And everybody fell in love with it. You know, I was I was uh, in, in the State Department in the and I was a, I was a guest at the White House. Everybody loved the idea. Hey, supply chain of wisdom, people connecting. So uh, yeah, everybody was very interested in the idea. So for almost three 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 and a half years, I was just you know interviewing, mm-hmm. uh, being in the media. But so I was bootstrapping. Yeah. Um, the big turning point happened when we got into five hundred startups. Uh, it's an which it is a very prestigious accelerator in Silicon Valley. And that was a turning point when when uh, one of my mentors said, you know, enough researching. This is the problem is real. Build something. So I started building a technology platform. Got it. Okay. So it's like three, three and a half years of building relationships and mentoring, kind of building a network, it sounds like. And then you started building the platform. I assume you still kept your day job while the platform was being built. Or did you go all in and start building 100% of the time? So I started, I uh, I went, I should say all in, you know, my, okay. my day job was just, you know, not enough. So I raised some money. Uh, I had angel investors who believed in me, who wanted me to do this, uh, to create a, a scalable mentor cloud, you know, that, that was mm-hmm. almost a parallel to LinkedIn. If LinkedIn was a place to go advertise yourself on yeah. of all your, all your accomplishments and degrees, there had to be a place where you could actually grow. So there was a lot of people who invested in me early on. So I, I raised, uh, you know, close to half a million in angel funding, um, you know, before the 500 startups happened. Got it. Okay. And then you're all in, you're building this. And when you first started building it, was it just you or did you bring on a team of people with you? Yeah, I had, uh, you know, a couple of co-founders who came in and went, you know, one of them moved back to India. So uh, she, she, she she went back and and then I had another co-founder who mm-hmm. unfortunately for health reasons, for the last four or five years, he's not active. He's still advising me as my, my peer mentor. So it's been a long journey, which I don't recommend to anyone. Mm-hmm. It's very, very important to have you know, at least two to three founders who can you know sort of sort of balance out the duties. But I was, you know, I, I had no choice but to you know do this individually. Uh, but of course, over, over time, you know, I, I hired engineers, you know, customer sure. success folks, sales and marketing and uh, operations folks. But uh, as a founder team, it's been a long journey mostly. Got it. All right. So we talked about the transition and then kind of the foundation. Let's dive into the business. So I'm envisioning a marketplace with two audiences, people who are mentors and people who are looking for mentoring services. Is that kind of like a high level uh, description of the model? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a marketplace within an organization. So one of the companies we work, we work with for almost seven years is the number one company in hospitality, the Marriott International. So Marriott has employees all over the world, associates in various properties and hotels. So th- we provide a marketplace within the Marriott so that people can learn in context of the industry and of the company. So you're absolutely right. It's a marketplace where people can connect, but within a known community. It, it could be a company, it could be an alumni association, or it could be a, a, a network of entrepreneurs where uh, everybody is authentic, authorized, you know, sort of sort of pre-vetted, but then we give them the technology to easily find each other. Got it. So it would be like going to Marriott 
you would work with them. And we'll talk about pricing here in a second. This is where when you work with that organization, there's mentors that jump onto the platform from Marriott. And then people are looking for mentoring uh, assistance. They're jumping on the platform as well. So you're kind of like this bolt-on tool to their company to really empower mentoring. Absolutely. And what one thing we have done very, very uh, effectively is, if you remember, I told you flow of wisdom. Yes. So this mentor-mentee one-on-one connection is only one framework for that wisdom to, to be transferred. So what is unique about us is um, because I have I have simplified mentorship as a human-to-human transfer of wisdom, we have created multiple ways for that to happen. We have, for example, something called fireside chat, where one mentor can talk to 50 mentees at once. Uh, we, we have something called circles where people can learn from each other. So the core idea here is people within a company should should have easy ways to learn from each other, whether yes. it is in a small group, whether it is one to many or one to one. You know, whatever the availability of the experts uh, is, uh, they should be able to share their knowledge so they get recognized, they get promoted, right. and they become senior leaders eventually. You know, I'm thinking about my past experience. Some of the larger companies I've worked for include GE, Kohler, as well as uh, a smaller organization. It's not public, but it'd be direct supply. And they don't really have anything like this, at least not that they advertise like, hey, here's our mentorship committee and you can connect with these 10 people to gain expertise or information or wisdom, as you state, in these particular areas. So I, you probably come in and you say, hey, we can help it's probably a retention strategy. Is that part of the the cell? Like you can. Yes, absolutely. You're right. <laughs> about engagement and retention. Yes. Um, because the, the the world has evolved, especially um, in a post pandemic. You know, we're all working from home or working from multiple offices, right. and um, so where is the opportunity for people to stay committed to the organization? Yes. Right. So yeah. this kind of commitment comes when you work. For example, when you were at GE, if somebody came and said, "Hey, Sean." You know, here are some of the executives who, who, if you want to learn about sales or marketing, you know, they are available. They are putting themselves out there. So you're like, of course, I would work with them. At the same time, Sean, I see that you used to be in the in the marketing before digital marketing. You know, we, we have just hired about you know, a few people in the, in the space. Would you mind just sharing your knowledge? Of course, when you do it both ways, when you're recognized for what you know, and you're also, you know, given the resources for you to learn and grow, that is when we all feel committed that here is a place I can grow. Yes. You know, it's almost like a, like a, a plant feeling comfortable with the farm because if the plant could move and the farm is not helping it to grow, it will go somewhere else. Yeah. Humans are different. We will go wherever we can grow. Yes. And, and I'm talking to more people, especially at that Gen Z millennial level. They are like a big reason they work at a company is the ability to learn and grow. And one of my closest friends, he's actually leaving a large corporation because they're, they keep their information siloed. Like they don't mm-hmm. want their people to learn anymore and grow. They want them to stay where they're at. Don't ask questions. Like literally, like you don't grow. You're being paid to just push buttons on a keyboard and that's it. And he's, I can't, he's like, I can't do this anymore. So your, your company is uh, pushing past that and saying, hey, we want your people to learn from the others in the organization and grow within. Stay with the company and grow. Absolutely. Because one, one is you can learn in context. 
Second, more important ones that we highlight is you, your people will get to know one another, right? No, no, uh, nobody wants to feel lonely. And especially after the pandemic, when there is high level of loneliness, your people become stronger. So I call it the human fabric. You know, uh, right now your fabric has holes. Like if, you're, if our shirts have holes, that's what is happening in your organization. Whereas when your people are tight knit, you know, somebody in Australia is talking to somebody in Finland and somebody in UK is talking to somebody in Africa. You, we, we, you, you're creating a very strong human network. And when your human network is strong, a lot of wisdom flows in that network, which will essentially help you, the organization, grow. So right. this is the sort of the ultimate nirvana solution for your people to work together as one. Yeah. Uh, so those, you know, taking orders and do what we tell you to do, those days are gone. <laughs> Indeed. I love it. This is a pretty easy business to understand. Um, now let's talk about the pricing. Can you talk about like uh, low end, high end, what you charge your customers? Yeah. So our pricing starts about $10 a user a month. Okay. So it is it is really very, very affordable because when I missed that airline accident, I, I wrote on a piece of paper that day, I got to do something that will impact 100 million people. So that's what I wrote. And then I said it has to be scalable. So it starts about $10 a user a month when there are smaller, smaller companies or smaller programs within a company. And it can go go down all the way to two dollars a user a month. Where when there are large numbers of people, like a company like GE, yes. uh, for example, we would pay much less, you know, per user. Yep. We also offer enterprise licenses, but that's the range. You know, it's it's very affordable, and because we want everybody to be, everybody who receives a paycheck should have the right to learn and grow. Yes, yes, very easy entry point. I, I look at you know GE. I think last time I googled, it has like one hundred and seventy thousand employees. So if you want. 170,000 times 10. Ooh, we got a got a little bit of a bill That's there, a but business it, to be in, but they won't pay like that, but <laughs> at, that, at that level it, it 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 can go even under a dollar. So we have been yeah. experimenting still. I wouldn't say we got the pricing, but that's the range people are yep. comfortable, they can feel it and uh, but most of the companies of GE size they ask for an enterprise license like not per of user. Course. So, we, so we do offer that model. Yeah, and you don't have to give numbers here cuz I know we talked about this offline, but do you um, have any kind of contract terms? Do you do like a year minimum or you try to do multi-year? They're always multi-year, but uh, the, we get paid for you know sure. annually uh, yep. because this human connection, this it's not like uh, an airline reservation, right? I go online and I book a ticket right away. This is humans coming together. So sure. it takes about three to four months for people to really uh, you know see the value of you know, higher productivity, higher engagement, higher connections. And uh, p- people feeling that their skills are improving because of other people. So we yeah. we recommend uh, one year minimum. Uh, you don't have to sign up the entire company because we know uh, that's too, too much of uh, you know change management to deal with. So typically it is one division or one program uh, that that you know companies sign up, and then over time they add you know more and more uh, employees in into this network. Yep. Makes perfect sense. I'd like to talk about uh, acquisition. This can be tougher, especially new entrepreneurs. They're like, okay, so I want to create a B2B SaaS, but how do I get customers? So walk us through that process. Do you reach out to these companies, give them a demo and then a trial period? Uh, How are you bringing on these, especially large companies like Marriott? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Sean. Uh, Something that I I thank my peer mentor, Rajesh, uh, in a few years ago, he he forced me to write a book. He said, "Ravi, you have you know way too much about mentoring, and um, but 
that you should write a book. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My daughter is in high school. I'm bootstrapping. I have this work, that work. I had every excuse under the sun to, to say no. But eventually he just, he did push me into writing a book, which I did. And that book really was, it was the magic. And in fact, if any, you know, early business owners or want to be, or want to be entrepreneurs listening to this, you should put your ideas out there. That's the best marketing you can do because it tells people what you know. So by publishing a book, I got invited to many conferences. All my videos were online. My blogs were online. So uh, it is hard to imagine, but most of my demand is inbound. I have not done a okay. singing outbound campaign. So oh, because if Ravi knows about mentoring, then Ravi also knows how to solve the problem around mentoring. It's as simple, right? I want to know. I want to go to the doctor who knows what a flu is. He'll obviously know how to how to how to cure it. So. Um, right. I think that that was a big uh, sort of game changer that my book became a sort of, you know, a global resource uh, because mentoring is not taught, uh, especially younger people in college. You say you got to be independent. You got to run your own journey. But that's the very bad advice. You know, when you take an exam, you do it alone, of course, you know, no, you know, mm -hmm. no cheating. But in life, don't do it alone. Surround right. yourself with people because career success, life success is a team sport. You got to surround yourself. So I went around the world telling guys, asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. Right. So some of these thoughts were very helpful for people to say, oh, I should allow my people to seek help and get help. Uh, we love entrepreneurs that figure out how to create inbound a lot easier than outbound. If you got to be making calls and Zoom calls and email, oh, just a... Drudge of a process, yeah. It is a process, but the thing is, all the people who are doing that are being taught by same set of experts, yes. right? So people like us are bombarded by the same looking messages. So yeah. I think if you can create a thought leadership in your space to earn that respect, yeah. you know, um, we are very fortunate to be recognized on the NASDAQ tower in New York. They put my picture there. They put Mentor Cloud there. Uh, you know, uh, being on podcasts like this, where people get to know, ultimately, it is a people business. Don't think it's a software business. Unless right. you're selling QuickBooks or something where at a very low monthly SaaS price, any enterprise SaaS company is about people. So if you can demonstrate that you have a group of people who can solve your problem or the customer's problem, that's the kind of companies that will, that will thrive. The software, of course, has to work. I mean, that's, uh, that's given. That's like the hygiene. But the people are more important. Yes. So just to kind of refresh here, write a book, um, attend conferences. Now, are you doing in-person or you're doing mostly Zoom? Now, I, I'm an in-person guy, so I travel quite a bit. Um, but of course, okay. the pandemic you know, taught us all a new way to live. So I I would say mine is around 50-50 now. Okay. Um, so I, I have many of the European calls, you know, back in olden days, I would I would go and, uh, you know, uh, head on a plane. But now... Most uh, calls are on Zoom, but I do travel now because I, I really want to people to know who we are, what we do, and also why we do. That's you know, the, Again, the other advice I would like to leave with is always talk to your customers about the why, why you are doing this. Yeah, sell the why. Very, very, yeah. Yeah. It's the people, Simon Sinek, right? Yeah, exactly. Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. And, and I'd like to go back to a quote, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care has yes. been yeah a key phrase in marketing um is there anything else you're doing in marketing that you found to be really effective you know blogging is very important uh, again everything okay. around 
don't wait for uh, people to discover who you are mm-hmm. so then you are doing the song and dance let people come to you right so the more you so i i say this to a lot of entrepreneurs when i'm you know pick a song and sing it often two things happen when you do that one you will get good at it mm-hmm. second the world will take you seriously hey this guy is singing the same song right so something is must be there they pay attention so i think by putting yourself out there don't worry about somebody copying your idea or anything i mean nobody no. has time to no. do what you no. nobody has time everybody has their own you know shit to deal with if i can say right so yeah. don't be afraid um of course you should also you know put some boundaries as to what you share but share your purpose share your vision tell why you are doing this why why it bothers um you know last week i heard this beautiful quote which i wanted to which has become so profound uh, almost defines why i do what i do um it is the standard you pass by is the standard you accept yeah said wow that defines entrepreneurs right i passed by a standard where people were struggling unless you are in silicon valley unless you know all the top guys you have no opportunity to get their mentorship and advice at the right time i said that's not acceptable your zip code cannot determine your success so you need to remove the zip code you need to let that's why i called it a cloud really it's a, a you know not the amazon cloud but the real cloud i said a real cloud is a collection of water what if i create a collection of minds a real cloud is boundaryless i wanted to create this collection of minds that is boundaryless so today people anywhere in the world within a company can connect learn and share mm-hmm. So that's the standard I didn't want to pass by. Right, right. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time-consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. If you ever considered investing on your own but you don't know where to start, I welcome you to check out Ticker. Ticker guides you through your investment journey by steering you towards safe investments and away from risky investments. There were two main reasons why I created Ticker. Number 1, I wanted to remove emotions from investing. In other words, I wanted a software to make buying and selling decisions for me so I don't have to. And number 2, I wanted to save time. Analyzing stocks can take hours if not days, and I didn't want to spend all day looking at the computer. I have other hobbies in life I'd rather be enjoying. If you're interested, you can get started with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T Y K R.com. Again, ticker.com. I'd like to drill into the online conferences. Some like a key takeaway you can give to our listeners. How are you um setting up like maybe speaking engagements or webinars or where are you going to make these connections? Is there a particular association or a network? Yeah, uh I would say you know we we're, we're all we're all lucky to have something like LinkedIn. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. So put yourself out there by writing blogs and uh you know speaking engagements, you know, because of my book, naturally when you are the author, um mm-hmm. people want to learn about because the book only has 200 pages of text, but you have a lot more in the mind. So one of the big breaks happened uh, when Vistage, Vistage is the world's largest network of CEOs. So I became a speaker for Vistage and um so that's really when they I was able to perfect on you know doing a keynote doing a workshop and taking a group of CEOs into uh, teaching them the simplicity of mentorship you know because human resources leaders may make it very complicated they make it sound like you have to wear a suit and a tie and can come come out and spend 2 hours to be this guy and have nobody has time for it 
So I, I made it simplified. Like, guys, it's about sharing what you know because whatever you know is going to be with you for the rest of your life and it will eventually go underground. Right. So might as well share it, right? Yeah. And by sharing, you become much more visible. Do you want to be the sun behind the cloud or you want to be the sun in front of the cloud? Mm-hmm. I tell them, right? So, and I, I executives, I see them sort of, you know, really uh, sort of brighten up because, yeah, why do you want to be behind the cloud? Let me come out and be out there. Of course, I, w- I will spend maybe one hour a week or two hours a week. Not all the time. Nobody's asking you to quit your job and do this full time. You know, spend an hour or two a month and just be out there. Let your people know how awesome you are. Right on. I want to just kind of summarize your business model. And then what I want to do is ask you a question. You can kind of give the audience regarding uh, mentorship. But just to summarize here, we got a B2B SaaS business that's about $10 a month starting price skews lower as the volume of users increases, which is brilliant. And your sales process is all inbound, focusing on a book. And I've talked about this in other podcast episodes for the listeners out there. A easy way to get a book written is you can go to Upwork, have somebody else write it for you. Of course, they're going to interview you, write down all the notes, and they'll help compose it. Because some people look at that process as extremely daunting. Like, how in the world do I write a book over the next year? Well, there you go. Find a writer on Upwork. Um, And then blog posts. It sounds like you do a lot of writing. There's an SEO component there. So people are reading, visiting, maybe sharing. And of course, that ranks higher for the keyword phrases, mentorship. So I think that's a great play as well. All right. Um, What is a key takeaway you can give our audience? Let's say they're a brand new entrepreneur. They want to start a business and they know they want to network with other people in their industry. What do you recommend they do? Um, you know, one is, I would say on LinkedIn, definitely write as often as you can comment on other people's posts. Like if you're, if you're coming up with a, with a new cybersecurity platform, let's say when there is an article on that, just go and comment on it and then tag people. So very important for the world to know what, you know, very, very important. Right. So I would recommend that. And, um, you know, always, you know, tell your network folks, like, if somebody tells me, hey, Ravi, can you, can you come and paint my house? I would very respectfully say, no, that's not my that, that's not my strength. But if you are ever looking for a good mentor or somebody to, to do a keynote on mentoring, call me. So that's an advice I would like to leave uh, people is tell people what they should come to you for. Because don't wait for them to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I always make sure I tell them, oh, by the way, if you're, if you're looking for a speaker, just let me know. I'm happy. You know, sometimes I do pro yep. bono speaking too, if it is a cause that I support. So people know that this guy is available. So you want to plant the seed in as many people's minds and then be in conversations when you are not there. That, that is another, uh, uh, you know, advice I would like to give because you can't be everywhere. So make sure you inspire enough people. Yeah. I know right now this time I asked the question, who is thinking about you when you're sleeping? That's the question you want to have. And you mm-hmm. want to have at least 10 people thinking about you and your success. And that, that's when things get amplified. Uh, I have to do a follow-up question to that. Knowing that you do a lot of posts, like blog posts as well as LinkedIn, how often are you posting per week? Uh, I, I used to do, uh, I, I don't do, uh, you know, even though my mentor tells me she write every week. So right now I've been doing, you know, once every two weeks on average. Okay. Uh, but I need to do more. Um, so I'm, I'm actually using some AI tools now to record because sometimes when I start writing, I try to edit it and it never gets done. 
So I'm using some AI tools to, to just talk into it, and then and then. So I hope by by uh, you know very soon it'll be it'll be a, a, at least a, you know twice a month blog. Okay, that's a good benchmark. I know some listeners are thinking, do I have to do like three times a day or once a day? Or it's it's like finding the time can be a little intimidating. So yeah. good to know about every two weeks. All right. Well, good, Robbie. This has been a good overview of your business, what it does. Um, I'm sure some listeners here, especially if they work for some large corps, there might even be an opportunity to bring you in, uh, get set up on your platform. Um, yeah. But let's dive into the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Ravi really is. If you can, try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? All right. Rapid fire. Wow. I wish right. it was rapid, des rapid desert. Pre pressure's on. Here we go. What is your favorite podcast? Um, no, I, I like Simon Shinnick's and yeah. also Adam Grant's mm -hmm. Adam Grant's uh, podcast is something I really like. I also just trying to miss the name. It was 15 seconds. Reed Hoffman's you know, Masters, yes. of, Masters, Masters of, of Scale. Scale. I love that one. Yeah. I'm a regular listener and uh, yeah, that's the one. I would, I would I would put that number one. My favorite business podcast indeed. Masters of Scale. Highly recommend. Good one. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Yeah, um, the the book that I'm it's almost uh, something I refer to every day is uh, is a book by you know uh, Keith Cunningham called The Road Less Stupid, and um, especially entrepreneurs we are we are very very good at taking the road that is stupid, which is we go and say oh I got the idea I'll go sell it to thirty people, so the road less stupid what 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 uh, book is all about is spending enough thinking time, and which is essentially what we all learned about you know Mr Warren Buffett. He spends hours thinking, and that's what he says in the book: is think enough before you go on this path, whether it is a business idea or a business model or hiring someone. Don't just jump. Yep. Right. Um, so the road less stupid is a book that I really like, and uh, one book that was transformative for me was by Robin Sharma, "Who Will Cry When You Die." Hmm. Was an interesting book. I it's an easy book to read, but very profound. You know, because when you are born, you are the only one crying and everybody is laughing. But when you die, who is the one crying? Who are the people that are going to miss you? Sure. Um, so that book was also very transformational. So one business book and one, you know, purposeful book. Yes, yes, indeed. Good recommendations. All right. Movie question. What is your favorite movie? Yeah, the, the movie that I end up speaking a lot about is this movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, yeah. You know, Smith's yeah. movie. It's a oh, good yeah. one. I actually met the guy whose life story was it. Yep. So really very inspiring that anybody can uh, overcome obstacles. Just, you know, stay at it and surround yourself with good people and, you know, life will turn around. There is any success story you see and especially you, when you hear, you know, self-made millionaires, I hate that title. Nobody is self-made. Even you as a human being is not self-made. Two people had to come together to make you, right? Yep. So the self-made ideology should be killed completely, in my opinion. Um, surround yourself with good people who really care about you. And there are enough people in the world who can who can guide you and support you. So that, that movie is one I end up uh, talking a lot. Yeah, great movie. All right, a few business questions. What is the worst advice you ever received? <laughs> this is a good one. Thought, got a lot of them um no quit that's the worst advice i got people would say ravi i think you should quit no, you know, yeah you're not getting traction no 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 you you yeah. have a family 
you should go back to supply chain or you know stop mentor cloud and start a software in supply chain then i'll invest in you so the worst advice was asking me to quit yeah and as as adamant i am i think entrepreneurs are adamant and uh, i mean adamant with with some wisdom of course um, I mean, I, I would have quit if there are no customers and if there are no users and if if I'm not, nobody is resonating to my song, right? Mm-hmm. If, if my concerts are going from 100 to 10 to one person, obviously I should quit. But um, yeah, that's the best, worst advice I got that uh, people are happy that I did not listen to them. When I go back and tell them, hey, this is where I am and I have people working, I have revenue, I have 150 countries around the world. They're like, oh, thank God you didn't listen to me. Said, yeah, yes, okay. nice, nice. <laughs> All right, flip the equation. What's the best advice you ever received? You know, to write a book. Yes. Write a book. That yeah. that that's that has changed me. You know, it is giving me a lot of income too because I get paid for keynotes. It has given me marketing for my book, for my company because companies on Mentor Cloud. And, you know, as an author, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fellow at TED. So author gives you a whole new world to explore. So the best advice was to write a book and I'm I'm writing my second one also right now which is which is important for the world to know. That's a great recommendation and just to drill into that for a second, you know, it's not necessarily the book that generates the revenue. It's not like okay, so I sell a book for 12.99 on Amazon, that's not where you make your money. It's the doors that open and you're a great mm-hmm. case study of that situation. So any anybody out there starting a business if you can write a book going back to that upwork strategy It'll be a quick way to get out there. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it is the best advice and somebody who forced me to do it. Um, it, it can change the life for you. Mm-hmm. Right on. All right, the last business question here. Time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I would probably visit the age of 30 because up, up, up till 30, mm-hmm. life was great. You know, a PhD, I was work and getting married and having daughter, all good stuff. I wish back then I, I bought some stock in Microsoft or Apple when it was a couple of dollars. So I was never a, a money guy. You know, I've, uh, right. I come from a very modest family. Even having money to 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 have meals itself was a big deal. You know, we come from a very modest family. So um, this saving and planning for the future was never in my mind. And if I go back, I would have saved more money because I, I didn't know how many crazy things I will do to start a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would tell my younger self, which I tell to all my younger mentees, save as much because when you do want to become an entrepreneur or when some things, some things don't go the way you you expect them to, then at least you have a, a, a good safety net. Exactly. Great advice. I love it. All right. And where can the audience reach you? Uh, they can reach me on LinkedIn uh, and and um, they can visit my company site. You know, I have a site called ravigundlapalli.com. They can also reach out, reach out to our company via mentorcloud.com. And uh, my email is simple, ravi, R-A-V-I, at mentorcloud.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter, at Ravi Gunlapali. So, um, and my book is on Amazon, The Perfect. Art of Mentoring. We'll, uh, we'll make sure we get a lot of these links posted in our show notes. But Ravi, thank you so much for your time. This is great. Thank you so much, Sean. Excellent questions and appreciate your you know kind words and uh Thinking about not what I say, but what I say that is valuable to your audience is something that that I I want to call out. It's not about you or me. It's about the audience that that has something to take and then become better in their life. So thank you for very, very thoughtful questions.
Absolutely. I, you'll laugh at this, but I, I get customers, I can actually feel them uh, metaphorically tapping me on the shoulder. You got to ask Robbie this question, like ask this next <laughs> question. Because what happens is after an interview, they'll send me an email and be like, Sean, I really like this interview, but you should ask this and this question. I'm like, face palm moment, like, uh, yes. <laughs> you can still ask me after, you can add them in the comments. <laughs> right on. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Sean. Thank you very much. All the best. All right. We'll see ya. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to. So thanks for spending some time with me. Also, if you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? The more reviews we get, the more Apple will share this podcast with the world. So thanks for doing that. And last thing, if you do hear any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not make a buy or sell decision based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. See ya. See ya.